Uh-huh. I know what you're thinking. Is this the booth drafting the circuits? Three-way theater or the Kevin Jackson show? Well, to tell you the truth in all this excitement, I kinda lost track myself here on Hoobazoo.com. So, do you feel lucky, punk? Oscar Mike Radio. Come in. Come in, Oscar Mike Radio. Sinister One, this is Oscar Mike. I have Ulima Charlie over. Good afternoon, evening, and day, folks. This is Travis with Oscar Mike Radio coming at you from the city of Brockton, the city of champions. Today is January 19th, and I have a special guest with me today. Um, I just think she's superwoman extraordinaire. Her name is Tamara Reynolds from Asheville, North Carolina, and she does a lot of work in her community with uh, veterans and uh, homeless veterans and the homeless, and I want to get her story. Welcome, Tamara, to Oscar Mike Radio. Thanks. Thanks for having me. No problem. No problem. Um, just before we, you know, dive into homeless advocacy, do you want to tell, you know, our listeners kind of your background and, and the kind of, you know, uh, what got you into uh, working with the homeless? Sure. Well, I have been a teacher for almost 20 years now, so I have a degree in education and then a graduate degree in education as well. So I have mostly served either children with disabilities or children from at-risk populations. So, you know, just that um, experience of working with marginalized populations was kind of a background of mine. And then... I also own a weightlifting gym, Asheville Strength, which is now a garage gym. We had that space for six years in a large gym space, and then about a year ago, we moved um, into our garage. So I balance multiple jobs right now, but I work at two colleges and actually work as a teacher mentor for a third college for teachers who are with the NC Pre-K program, which serves low-income children and children with disabilities. And really, I think for me, getting involved in homelessness has been a process in the last decade. I've always been the person who, when I see somebody, you know, on the side of the road, if I have a minute to talk to them and, you know, just say, how are you doing? If they're asking for a dollar, you know, strike up a conversation. And for a while, I had one uh, man in Miami who was a veteran who used to stand out on the corner of US 1 and 27th Avenue. And on the way to work, I would inevitably be stuck at that light for eight, nine, ten life, uh, light cycles. And he just started talking to me. And one day he actually handed me a letter that he had gone to the public library and typed up on a typewriter there about his life story. So, you know, really that was for me the beginning of seeing homeless people as people. 
rather than just a nuisance or someone to ignore or, you know, a drunk, all of the things that people really think about homeless people. So if, if you would, how, how is your teaching background and your, I'm going to guess here because weightlifting is such a, a sport that involves people, how has that helped you work with homeless, homelessness? Well, I think with teaching, it's really just knowing how to talk to a diverse group of people. Um, I work a lot now with college students. I am both a college instructor and I also am an advisor for students with disabilities on the college campus. So especially students who have mental illness, that's quite frequent in the homeless population. Um, we always say to presume competence. And I think that is the most important thing that comes from both my teaching background and working with people with disabilities is that these are adults that we're talking about. And a lot of times people can be very patronizing um, to think, you know, you need to feel pity for them or do something for them. And so, you know, both in working with students to presume competence and working with the homeless to do the same thing you end up with higher expectations. So if you presume that they can already do it, you set the bar high and then let them, you know, rise to the occasion. And I also just think having the experience of working with students from a broad range of backgrounds, I have a lot of students, um, young students who have been in foster care um, and adopted, lots of kids who come from abusive backgrounds, um, and I think that kind of reflects, you know, some of those kids are the kids that are going to end up on the streets homeless. They have a much higher, you know, risk of being homeless than other, than other people do. Well, I think, I think the thing that I find surprising in talking to people is, is people have this idea that homelessness is just a, like a poor city thing or a, uh, a rural thing or a truly metropolitan thing, not rural thing, excuse me. And when you start talking to them about that it's everywhere and you start trying to get them to see people who are homeless as persons and not just a, a smelly person on the side of the street it really kind of changes their perspective and so for the homeless that I work with I work with homeless veterans primarily you know where I come from Tamara is trying to make sure that veteran for the time I have him or her they know they matter yes that they're not, I'm not there just to fill out a community service, you know, form, but I'm truly vested in their success. And it, it seems to work. So, you know, I, I just wonder sometimes how we can get past that perception that these are lesser people. I, I don't know about that sometimes. For me, it's, you know, what I've done is write about it. First of all, I have a blog and I kind of chronicle, um, you know, my life, but that ends up talking a lot about my work with the homeless. Um, the one place that I volunteer is called A Hope, which is a nonprofit whose primary mission is long-term housing, permanent housing for people who are homeless and they're housing first. So they believe that you need a house before you worry about anything else, whether that's getting a job, getting rid of your addiction, uh, dealing with your mental illness, whatever. They try to put people in a house first. And then the second piece, which is where I volunteer, is the day center. So that's where I see a lot of the veterans. We do have a very large shelter here that works primarily with veterans, um, the Veterans Restoration Quarters, and they have room for 240 men per night. 
and they are a comprehensive program. So they have um, housing, meals, case management, counseling, laundry. Um, the thing with Veterans Restoration Quarters is it is a religious-based program. So what I found is that there are a lot of people who are homeless, both veterans and not, who don't want that aspect of it. So they won't reach out for help if the program requires something of them religious. So A Hope is not religious, secular, just a nonprofit. Um, and so the day center is a place where any homeless person can come. They can use that as an address for their mail. They can take showers. They can get over-the-counter medications, store important papers there. And so, yes, I see a lot of the veterans who are staying at veterans, veterans restoration quarters there. Um, but then, you know, a lot of people choose to just sleep out. Um, they won't go to any shelter. They they feel that gives them more independence. And so the, I know there, a lot there, of the veterans do that. Yeah, there is that segment of the homeless population that no matter what is available to them, they, they just won't partake of those services. They just don't want to give up. In, in their minds, from what I've been told by people uh, who I talk to, is they don't want to give up what little control of their lives that they have. Right. And, when, and when they come to, especially a faith-based organization, which I'm all about, if, you, if you're if you a faith-based organization and you want to help homeless, great. But you're right. What happens a lot of times is these people just want to get a hot meal, a shower, and, and somebody to talk to them instead of being uh, having a servant delivered to them first. Some, some orgs make it work, some don't. Right. And I think for me, it's really about human dignity. Um, and that's why I like when I volunteer at A-Hope, there's a front desk area and I like standing there. They, they always need people to do things, but, you know, sorting mail. You know, I don't know how many people get mail there, four or five hundred or more at least. Oh, wow. Um, so there's a huge amount of mail coming in. So they always need people to sort mail. They have a container room where people can store belongings in large Rubbermaid containers. So they need people to take, um, you know, people down there. But I like standing at the front desk. Um mainly because that gives you the most opportunities for conversations. And I feel like that's just, you know, talking to people, one human being to another. But also I recognize that it takes a lot to come to the front desk and ask for something that I just have available to me every day. So someone has to come and ask me for a bar of soap. Um, you know, women have to come ask me for a tampon and a clean pair of underwear. And, you know, it's, just that loss of human dignity by not having your own house where you can have those things where, you know, if you need a Q-tip, you can't, you have to come ask someone for it. And so for me, that's really, those are the stories that I tell on my blog. And I try to tell people when I talk to them, when they have some misconceptions about homeless people is, you know, just think about what you would really be giving up if you were homeless. It's not just a roof over your head. It's access to a lot of things that without you, you lose part of your human dignity. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. And you, and you hit the dignity thing around right the head that I like, I try to, you know, communicate to people. It, it's, these are human beings just like you or me. And except for a couple of decisions and, you know, or situations, I can be right there with them. So right. you, you have to see them as people. Um, I guess what's what's the biggest challenge, or, or, or are you trying to do anything individually, or what's the biggest challenge in your area in um, dealing with uh, you know your population? So I started off just on the city's listserv that they have. They have someone from the Asheville city government, um, and I think the county who run kind of an email list. They meet once a month and they talk about the broader policy issues. 
they meet during the day, so it's hard for me to get to their meetings, but I've stayed on the list to kind of see what we're doing as a city. Um, and so I also work in one of my positions actually is um, a faith-based advocacy position where I work with faith-based communities to try to eliminate um, childhood poverty in the county. And as part of that, we worked to get out the word on some bond issues that we had in the November election. Those were all concerning things that directly impact the homeless. It was affordable housing, it was sidewalks, it was covered bus routes. Um, it was those key pieces that I see are the bigger issues, especially in Asheville, where we have a very high cost of living, um, like the- Wait, wait really, know, really? Uh, uh, yeah, we are we are the, either the we go back and forth with Chapel Hill in North Carolina is the most expensive housing market. It is a vacation destri destination and also a retirement destination. So housing costs are out of control. Rental costs are out of control. And yet wages here. Um, I myself with two graduate degrees am making less this year than I made in 2002. So you, it's a service and tour, tourism industry. So you've got restaurants, you've got hotels, you know, people are making eight, nine, $10 an hour here. Um, and yet the average cost of like a one bedroom apartment is something ridiculous, like over eight or $900 a month. Um, and so you can't do that on eight or $9 a month. And that's one of the reasons that we have a different segment of the homeless population. You know, I, I have students at the college who, have slept in cars because they they literally can't afford to to keep their house anymore um especially at the community college where i have some single parents who have spent time homeless sleeping in their cars with their kids so i've done that advocacy piece um which is not you know it is it's it all helps the homeless my my piece with it is really focusing on young children but we do have homeless children and then for me personally um i think what I would like people to be able to do is get that direct connection. It's easy to write a check. It's easy to click pay on a GoFundMe account, um, all of that, but it doesn't get you to know someone who's homeless and hear their story. And so what I've been doing for the last couple of months is just on Facebook, I'll post and say, hey, I volunteered at the Homeless Day Center today. We were out of underwear. Does anyone wanna donate? And especially in the last couple of weeks, I mean, I really like, I get emotional and kind of tear up thinking about it because I've gotten boxes from people all over the country. Oh, that's great. People that I've never even met. I have a huge stack behind me, but what I finally did was I just started a wish list on Amazon. And then I can tell people, like I literally am the person who's handing somebody this toothbrush or this pair of underwear, you know? You can go do this in your community, but if you don't have time, like know that when you send me these boxes, like that's the connection. I'll get to actually hand this to the person. I'm not just going to drop it off at a donation center. And for me, I think like the more that people can have some sort of connection, whether it's even just going to serve a meal. Um, but I think putting yourself in a position where you have can have a conversation is the most important. But those conversations where I tell people like, well, what do homeless people really need? You know, socks are the number one thing that we get asked for. People are on their feet all day long. Yeah, yeah. They don't have access to regular laundry services. Their feet are terrible. They're usually in shoes that don't fit well. Um, so things like socks and underwear, you know, it's like when people think about donating, they just want to donate all the crap in their house to get rid of it, which is great. You know, there are places like 
Vidwill and other other centers that resell that and, and use that to help people. Um, but when you're donating directly to the homeless, like the things that we need are things that people don't think about, like socks, underwear, toothbrushes, you know, I just got nail clippers because, you know, it just to have to ask for a nail clipper and then use it and bring it back to the front desk. Again, it's like, it's all about human dignity. You know, someone can keep a nail clipper in their pocket and have their own nail clipper. So I got 72 nail clippers sent to me by somebody on Facebook and that was awesome. Well, what I'd, what I'd like to do is, you know, get with you and, and, and put your, your links to like your, your, um, Amazon wish list in, in my blog post for this episode and then you know uh, keep in, keep up to date with what you're doing because you are right and, and people want to write a check to some place I'm like writing a check is great like you said writing a check is wonderful because money does make the world go around but when you see someone's eyes light up when when someone understands that you took time and they know they know, they know that you took time out of your day or your weekend to come be with them and make them feel like they matter. That, that to me, Tamara, is more powerful than writing a, a, a check to a faceless corporation that you'll never, you'll never see. Right. And it, it makes it very, very real, especially, you know, whether you're a veteran or just, you know, somebody down on their luck or somebody made some bad decisions. A lot of times I, I come back and, you know, somebody made something with their lives. And it's because someone like you took the effort to, to do that. So, I mean, there has to be a sense of satisfaction when you see the, those eyes light up in that person. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I've am i I've enjoyed this, and I think it has changed me as a person probably more than anything else that I've done. Um, and I'm just, I'm kind of sorry that I didn't do it sooner. You know, it's, it's hard to make that commitment. That's a regular commitment. Oh, yeah. Um, but once you do it, then it's like, I look forward to the times that it's our weekend to go and do that. And if I have extra time to go, then I know I can always go more than just the day that I signed up for. So, you know, it doesn't matter what town you're in, in the United States or in the world, actually there's, there's homeless everywhere. And it's just if you choose to see them as people versus someone standing on the street corner with a sign. Right. And I, I do tell people, you know, you have to be safe. Like when I work at the homeless day center, they don't allow children to volunteer there um, because they're a damp center. They let people come in high and drunk. And there are lots of people who are mentally ill who don't always take their medication. And it's not just that they're depressed. It is that, you know, there's sometimes fights there and they have security and things can get dangerous. So, you know, I don't want people to just say, oh, look, I see a person standing on the side of the road who looks like they might be homeless. Let me go <laughs> over by myself and start talking to them. Um, you know, have a sense of safety whenever you approach any stranger. Um, but really, you know, today I think I probably passed five people at different stoplights in Asheville who had a cardboard, you know, sign out asking for money. And it's like, you know, it, it doesn't take more than a few seconds to just roll down your window and say, hi, or how's your day, or what can I get you? And if that's not the place where you feel comfortable, then there are. There's homeless shelters and day centers all over the United States, and they can put you in a more controlled environment where, you know, even if you're like, I can come one time, what can I, can help, what can I help with? They can probably set you up with that um, so that you have some sense of, of safety and someone to tell you, like, what to do. Absolutely, um, absolutely. Need is constant. Need is constant. Need is everywhere. So someone will find a place to put you. You're absolutely yeah. right. Absolutely right. Well, I, I just, I don't know. I felt compelled to reach out to you when I saw your Facebook post and I saw the response you got from people who 
you know, heard what you were doing, and it got me thinking because, you know, I'm up here in the Northeast between New York and Boston, and, you know, I, I, I forget because it's just the nature of the beast where, you know, this is not just local to big cities. This is out yeah. to other areas of the country, and people handle it differently, but there are people out there like yourself and, and who, who want to give and who are trying to give. How can... How could my listeners help you if they, you know, hear this and want to, you know, reach out to you? Well, I'm definitely happy to give you the wish list that I have going on Amazon. Um, okay. There's also a list that I posted on Facebook that I can share with you to put up that is just um, an organization that keeps a list of all homeless shelters that are in the United States. And so, you know, people can go look at that map and then or just Google, you know, their city and homeless shelter or their city and homelessness. If there's not a shelter or there might be a committee from their city or county government that they can get involved in. So, you know, I would love for people to get involved in their community. And as I've gotten things from all over the country, I've told people, like, please feel free to donate this in your community. But what I hear time and time again is, well, I know you, and that's the personal connection. And I'm totally fine with that. You're helping somebody, <laughs> you know no matter no matter what so um i would just encourage people if they they want to donate to me i take stuff over once a week um what i've been getting and then um you know there's always a need we never have enough socks <laughs> but the people in your community don't have enough socks either so no, um, find out you know what the need is where you live and um you know it's it's easy to get something going whether it's an amazon wish list or if your kids school needs a volunteer project um my daughter's school actually because she talked to them about what we were doing with collecting things they did something through what's called the Asheville period project where they put together bags for homeless women that have sanitary wipes and pads and tampons um, and did that as a service project. So there's lots of ways to, to be creative and all, also just a lot of good blog posts out there from other people who are doing things to give you ideas for what right. You know, feels right for you. Well, that is fantastic. We'll certainly have everything linked into the, the blog site. And I would like to, if, if you don't mind, have you check in every couple of months to see how this is going for you and, I can share with you what, you know, is done up here in our community and in Boston for the Veterans Center that I volunteer in. And um, I don't know, it's, it's kind of funny. We met through weightlifting, yeah. but, uh, you know, it, it's weightlifters at meets will help each other out. And I think that's part of, uh, you know, who we are as a, as a broader community of people and human beings. So this has just been great, Tamara. Thank you for your time. Definitely. All right. Great. Thanks, Travis. All right. I'll be in touch. Oscar Mike Radio, over and out. Oscar Mike Radio, do you copy? Turns to one actual, I have you five by five. Anchors away, my boys, anchors away. Farewell to college joys, we sail at break of day. Our last night has scored drink to the poor. Oh.
Oscar Mike Radio is in route. Copy that, Sinister One. Coming at you from the city of champions, Brockton, Massachusetts. Come in, Oscar Mike Radio. Oscar Mike Radio, veteran in action, on the move, on mission, always. Protectors of our nation.